Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeatGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code SideRetiredPod in all capitals for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things reaching from sporting events to concerts, including the NFL and NHL. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ballgame. And now for today's edition of Side Retired Podcast. Hello and welcome to this Monday, November 28th edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It is Dylan joined alongside Jack, as always. And last week, if you haven't checked it out yet, we did a free agency predictions episode where Jack, Harry Kilman, and I both, or all three of us, we went through predicting where each player would land in free agency. This is going to be part two of that episode, but instead we're going to be focusing on trade candidates. And I think right now, Jack and I are both planning on giving you five bold trade predictions for this offseason. We might give you a couple bonus ones at the end. We'll see how it's going. But Jack, how are you feeling today? Because the hot stove is not very hot. Yeah, as you mentioned, it's, we're in the middle of a cold. You know, it seems like lockout days where nothing has happened, no rumors, not even minor deals. We've gotten rid of a pretty bad cold stretch. Imagine in a couple weeks leading up to winter meetings, we'll start to get, you know, an exponential increase, but we'll see several guys be traded, signed, et cetera. So hoping for that very soon, but you know, doing okay, coming off Thanksgiving weekend, praying for a late weekend. You know, Chris, I remember last year it was kind of like the Chris Bassett came out of nowhere. I think it was at my relatives Saturday night, got that out of the blue. So hoping for something like that, you know, someone please, please make a move. Well, we know the Pittsburgh Pirates signed the biggest free agent contract they've given out since 2016, which was $6 million to Carlos Santana. I don't know if that's more on the Pirates floor. That's really the biggest contract they've given out in seven years, or at least the Pirates are doing something. But how this is going to work, we will get a point if we correctly predict that a player was traded, and we will get an additional point if we predict the correct team. So in total, each of us could get a maximum of 10 points or a bonus point at the end. We'll see how it goes. But Jack, how about you kick us off with your first trade prediction? Uh, I'm going to start with the Los Angeles Dodgers, um, given that they have, you know, I don't know how much they're going to be spending in terms of the shortstop for agent market. I think the a reunion with Trey Turner isn't really there. So I think they're going to be going to a fellow National League team, the Milwaukee Brewers, looking for Willie Adamas to be traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers. I like it. There have been rumors of that potentially happening. It seems like the Brewers are a team that's in an interesting flux is that they're potentially floating out Corbin Burns, potentially floating Brandon Woodruff. So Willie Adamas makes a lot of sense there. My first trade, it also involves Los Angeles Dodgers. I think they're going to be comfortable moving Gavin Lux over to shortstop for the future. And that's going to mean that Brandon Lau is going to become the everyday second baseman for the Dodgers. He will also be acquired alongside Tyler Glasnow will be the Dodgers number two or number three in their rotation. So a blockbuster between Tampa Bay and Los Angeles that sees the Tampa Bay Rays ace Tyler Glasnow, as well as a middle-of-the-order bat and Brandon Lau being shipped off to Los Angeles. Another kind of rumors one, also wishful thinking on my part, Seattle Mariners have been wheeling and dealing alongside their uh, American League West counterpart, Los Angeles Angels, the two most active teams from the beginning of the offseason. Um, so far, they have dealt and acquired, and they dealt Kyle Lewis, and they acquired Tasker Hernandez. Now, I think they're going to shift to infield and acquire Labor Torres from the New York Yankees. The Yankees have a surplus of infielders, and they're going to have to deal some either Tor- everyday player like Torres 
or DJ LeMayu, very unlikely, or some of their prospects, Oswaldo Cabrera, Oswald Peraza. But I think Torres, the odd man out, two men left, two years left on his contract, coming off a solid year by him. Uh, the banding of the shift should, you know, give some boost to his offensive numbers. And overall, is a very solid defensive second baseman. So a Mariners team looking to build off just making the playoffs and have actually do something. And then next year, a move for Torres could be very uplifting and add to that young core they have going for them. I will shift gears a little bit and say that the Miami Marlins will be trading Pablo Lopez. I know that's been a rumor since the end or the middle of this past season. The rumor was Claybor Torres in exchange for Pablo Lopez. I don't think he's going to go to the Yankees just because the Yankees rotation is pretty solid. I know they're going after Carlos Rodon and free agency. There's even a little rumor about Jacob DeGrom, but I don't think the Yankees are going to trade Torres Peraza or someone like that for Pablo Lopez. Instead, I think a sneaky team that could be in on him. And we've heard they're interested in a lot of the top shortstops out there in Trey Turner, Carlos Correa. I think the Chicago Cubs see a weak NL Central, especially given that the Milwaukee Brewers seem like they could be tearing it down relatively soon with Willie Adamas, as you mentioned earlier. They've already traded away Josh Hader. But I think the Cubs could see this as an opportunity to compete in 2023. Pablo Lopez would definitely be an ace at the top of their rotation alongside Kyle Hendricks and Marcus Stroman. So I think you're going to see Pablo Lopez traded to the Cubs. I'll stay with the uh, the Brewers. At first, the first team that came to my mind was the Cardinals, um, given that they kind of had a very solid team in the past couple of years. Not really, you know, this past year they were able to get over the hump and win the National League Central, was something they hadn't done in, uh, in recent memory. But, you know, they did that. They got a first-round exit to the, the Philadelphia Phillies. I think they're trying to build up success. They know the type of pitching they need. You know, Adam Wainwright, has it's, he's towards the end of his career, but I think they're looking for more of the formula of an actual budding ace, which maybe would put them, given their star prospects who they didn't use in the Juan Soto sweepstakes, maybe they could use that transition, you know, build a similar type package for Burns. I just don't think he's going to be dealt with that division. So with that being said, I think Corbin Burns is going to be on his way to the Toronto Blue Jays. Blue Jays uh, entered the, the season last year as the favorite to win the American League, but didn't even win their own division. They had a lack of starting pitching. Jose Barrios, after signing an extension, had a really disappointing season. In the they showed their lack of pitching depth besides um, Kevin Gossman and Alec Manoa. I think they're going to need a true number one. Uh, Kevin Gossman pitched very well. He should have some positive regression, given how terrible the Jays' defense was with just him on the mound. So a top two rotation of of Burns and Gossman would be lethal and it would put them right as alongside the Yankees as favorites in the American League East. So we started this episode by mentioning the Chris Bassett trade. I think the Mets do something similar this offseason where I really hope they're re-signing Jacob Agram as their one. Max Scherzer is obviously the two. Right now, Carlos Carrasco is slotted in as the four, as well as a guy like David Peterson or Tyler McGill as the five, which means that the three spot, which obviously they could just re-sign Tyler uh Sorry, they could re-sign Chris Bassett or they re-sign Taiwan Walker. But instead, I think the Mets go the trade route. And this is where you can throw in a couple potential names like Sonny Gray, like Freddie Peralta of the Brewers. But I think the Mets, as we've learned with Steve Cohen, tend to go big when something big would be happening. So I could say Madison Bumgarner is going to be the Mets' number three starter. But I don't think any Mets fan would be interested in that. But it could be a type of salary dump where it's Madison Bumgarner and Christian Walker. Walker becomes the sort of right-handed DH platoon with Daniel Fogelbach, but I don't think any Mets fan is getting excited by that deal. I think Shane Bieber is an interesting name to watch this offseason. Now, will it be the Mets? I'm not 100% sure because that's going to cost a lot. But it does need to be said the Mets and the Guardians front office has interacted in the past, has made a blockbuster in the past with Francisco Lindor. So I think it's definitely possible that if Shane Bieber is dealt, it could be to the New York Mets this offseason. So I'm going to say for my bold prediction, Shane Bieber is traded to the Mets 
with a package centered around Brett Beatty. Jose Ramirez could always shift over to second base. However, they're going to manipulate that type of infield. But Beatty could even be the left fielder. But I think the Mets acquire Shane Bieber in a deal involving Brett Beatty. I agree with that logic about the Mets making a splash on the uh, on the trade market. So I'll go into my sort of big move. I d- it also involves the New York Mets. So if you turn back to our free agency episode, I believe you and I both predicted we would say the Mets would be very, very active on the starting pitching free agent market. You know, Cody Senga, Jacob De- re-signing Jacob DeGrom, signing Justin Verlander. I think many people, myself included, have the Mets inking two of those three guys. So I don't think they're going to be as active via the trading block as they would be in um, the free agent market, especially given the surplus of, of premier starting pitching that's available via um, via the tra- via free agency versus, you know, we've seen got packages for Luis, Luis Castillo is probably the baseline for guys like Shane Bieber, Corbin Burns, and that was a hefty, hefty price. One, I don't even think the Mets, if you assemble their, their the top crop and their free in their farm system, could even pay for such a deal. So I think the Mets do go the free go the trade route for a certain aspect that was really lacking for the playoffs for them, and that was offense. The New York Mets, and if we, we go back two years ago, they had Steve Cohen had just been reinstated as, as owner of the team, and they went out and signed an electric player, Francisco Lindor, Mr. Smile. The marketability there was off the charts. You know, he's now the face of the franchise when Art, he's probably arguably not even their best player. That would be Jacob deGrom and then even their best offensive player, Pete Alonso. But Lindor brings a marketability that is unseen throughout the rest of the, you know, the rest of the core. And he's really been made to be this face of the franchise. I think the Mets are going to go out in a similar type move. And we saw earlier this year, they decided to move in the right field fence, maybe alluding to not only a fan experience, but trying to acquire a certain left-handed slugger. And I do believe the New York Yankees are going to sign, you know, and Aaron Judge. You assume they'll be active somewhere else. So Steve Cohen, while there's not an apparent rivalry, they're going to be some kind of matching, try to do some kind of move, maybe acquire a certain Yankee killer. So I think the Mets are going to try to address their off- offensive issues by trading for Rafael Devers after the Red Sox fail to sign uh, Xander Bogarts. It's going to be rebuild- rebuilding time. We saw them do this with Mookie Betts come February, late January, early February. The Red Sox are going to be looking to rebuild after a very devastating season by Hein Bloom as GM. It's looking like they're going to be able to get a huge haul for Devers as he entered his final year of his contract in Boston. And the Mets are going to be making do, signing arguably the biggest Yankee killer and uh, assembling perhaps the best offense in baseball. Well, I don't think James is going to be happy with future Yankee Rafael Devers signing with the New York Mets, but I think that's definitely same deal. You could give them Brett Beatty as their future third baseman. I think for my last one, I don't know if you have any other trades to go after this one, or was that your sort of mega one to end it all? I'm going to go with a minor trade that's not that great, but Harry's going to be happy because the Cincinnati Reds rarely do anything. But I think with Nick Senzel already hurt, Aristides Aquino has been DFA'd. The Reds need someone in their outfield to sort of fill out a lineup because you're not going to just put out random nobodies. Eventually, you have to start competing. So this isn't going to be an exciting move. This isn't going to be a big move, but it's just a move. And I think the Cincinnati Reds go out and they acquire Randall Grichik from the Colorado Rockies. Now, Randall Grichik is the type of player that I think is getting moved this offseason. The Rockies are looking for an upgrade in center field. We've already heard them link to Brandon Nimmo. So even if Randall Grichik isn't traded to the Cincinnati Reds, I think it makes a lot of sense to see him getting moved this offseason regardless. So I will take my point of him getting moved, and hopefully I'll get the double point by getting him traded to the Cincinnati Reds. You got any other trades, or are we all good? 
Uh, no, I'm I'm good for now. Actually, no, I'll end it on last one. I think the Tampa Bay Rays, they have been, you know, they're always going to be active via the trade market more so than free agency. And the Oakland Athletics have a, one of the best, if not the best pieces available via the, via the trade market. And that is Sean Murphy, the catcher, all-star, a great offensive weapon and a defensive framer. I think he would fit really well in terms of the Rays brand of baseball. And they certainly have the prospects to acquire him. And it would be a good move for them to keep up with the surely busy off-seasons the Blue Jays, Yankees, and even Orioles are going to have within their division. All righty. And then I will finish us up with another trade for a catcher. I think the Blue Jays have three guys that could realistically start on a daily basis, whether that's Alejandro Kirk, Danny Jansen, and Gabriel Moreno, their top prospect. The Cardinals just lost Yadier Molina, who is their catcher for the last 20 years. I know they sort of have some faith in Andrew Kneisner as their new prospect, or he has been a top prospect for the last three to four years, stuck behind Yadier Molina. I think they could bring in a veteran guy like Danny Jansen to be the backup slash could start at the beginning of this year until Andrew Neiser's Betty sort of ready to start the full season. But I think that's the type of move, again, nothing major, nothing minor, but a good team and a good organization like the St. Louis Cardinals addresses a need, season issue, losing Yadier Molina, get a good defensive-minded catcher like Danny Jansen to replace him. All right, I do have a couple of names for you that we don't have to come up with bold trade predictions for, but just I'm going to tell you the name and you tell me if he's getting traded this offseason or not. How about Sandy Alcantara? I'm going to say no. Well, the, Mar- the Marlins have shown they don't really want to spend, which is one of the biggest reasons why Derek Jeter left their ownership group and they have Alcantara signed to a very team-friendly contract as of now. And his trade value is at an all-time high. I think it's an insurmountable price. I think even if you assembled, you know, the top 10 prospects in all of baseball, not just for any one team, you wouldn't be able to put together a package for his value. So, no, I don't think it's within the cards for any team to acquire a pitcher of his caliber. How about the Yankees quartet of, since we already mentioned Glaber Torres, we've got IKF, we've got Josh Donaldson, we've got Oswald Peraza, and we've got Aaron Hicks. I think the the three of those four, the older, probably arguably, not arguably, the most hated Yankees at the current moment, moment Isaiah kind of for life, Josh Donaldson, Aaron Hicks. I think the Yankees are certainly going to try. I think Aaron Hicks is easier to move than people think, uh, especially if the Yankees are willing to eat somewhere between 40 and 60% of the salary. A team would gladly take someone like Hicks for only $6 million a year, especially by the end of his contract. That's going to be, you know, drops in the bucket as we see inflation as the and the salary tax exponentially rising due to the new um, CBT agreement. And then someone like Donaldson, I think it's going to just depend on how much are the Yankees willing to eat. And because, you know, if you look at it right now, Donaldson is a very good defensive third baseman, but with uh, with DJ LeMayu being a very good offensive weapon and playing solid defense, as Waldo Cabrera being a utility man who can play, and that's actually one of his natural positions, not his, you know, his uh, protege ability to learn the outfield. So it just looks like there's too many good options that the Yankees would have to move someone like him, but whether they're going to be able to and uh, how much money are they going to have to eat of that Donaldson co- uh, contract is the question. And then Isaiah kind of for Leffa looks right now, you know, um, are the Yankees still going to deploy him as the stopgap maybe until Anthony Volpe is ready to be called up? I don't see him or Oswald Peraza being traded just because the Yankees are trying to get much younger. You know, moving them to assign one of the shortstops who I don't predict to age well, considering you know Carlos Correa and Trey Turner to, um, rely so much on athlete, that athleticism to, to, for their value and that is going to depreciate over the, the duration of a 10-year contract. So the Yankees they're going to want to get younger. They're going to want to get, you know, lower the payroll. So having guys like Anthony Volpe, Alvaro Peraza, who can give you value for very cheap and are very young is something that's really not 
there's it's not an asset they're capable of trading right now given their current position so i don't see peraza being traded but hopefully ikf is either traded in volpe's name the opening day starter or you see that volpe is not ready or the yankees are going to manipulate his service time keep uh keep ikf and then volpe um takes his spot come april or june april may or june uh when he's ready to be called up and then the last guy we're going to mention because of course we have to mention him in a trade discussions episode the angels and perry Manasian has said they're not going to trade shohei otani but do we actually believe them and shohei otani will spend his final career or final year of his contract with the la angels i'm going to say yes for at least the first half of the year i think shohei will not be an offseason uh trade by any team just because the angels are going to, to scope out the market and there certainly is a high demand i think for now given um his 30 million dollar aav the highest ever for a, a pre-free agency player uh, I think Shohei come mid-season, you know, I think we're going to be talking about his name come July via the trade market, and there's certainly going to be a lot of teams. You know, at that point, he'll only be owed 14, between 14 and $15 million, a much more palatable price for several teams, especially if you're adding to an, an already constructed um, a budget. So I think in the prospect hole, it would certainly be less for half a season than a full one. So I think you're going to, if you're the Angels, you retain Shohei Otani for now. Use them to sell your your season tickets before uh, no before April, and then come the time when the Angels are in fourth or fifth place and they need some kind of spark, um, I think they'll move on from Shohei and they'll re- they'll reckon with the idea that they're not going to be able to afford his contract. But who knows? Maybe maybe they'll the moves they've made so far with Tyler Anderson, Hunter Renfro will be enough to keep them in the wild card race. But I don't think many people predict that. So uh, Shohei Otani, I don't think it's. It's not when, it's not if more so when will it be traded. And I say come July rather than April, rather than us, January, February. All righty. Well, we love to hear that. Of course, check out our free agency predictions episode as well as if you haven't checked out yet our interview with MLBPA agent um, Mackenzie Toll. We talked a lot about what it's like to market MLB players as well as what the daily life is like of an MLB agent. So make sure to check out that episode as well as a couple of great interviews coming up for you guys. In the holiday season, it is almost Christmas break for us, which means we'll be pumping out a lot of content when that does indeed occur in two to three weeks from now. But until then, we still have a ton of great episodes. Hopefully we'll have, and we haven't been able to do this yet this offseason, an instant reaction episode to something happening. Something has to happen at some point, whether it's Judge, whether it's DeGrom, whether it's Trey Turner. I know the winter meetings are taking place around December 8th, December 10th. So hopefully some action will happen then. But I don't really want to wait a week and a half for stuff to happen. So... For Dylan, James, and Jack, until the next time, the side is retired.